Well, everybody, welcome back to an exciting episode of Views on View. I am Steve Edwards, the host with the face for radio and the voice of being, being a mime, excuse me, a stumbling mime, but I'm still your host. And with me today is our new, my new co-host, Cody Bontecue, coming from cold and dreary Hawaii. How you doing, Cody? Hey, Steve. Hey, everyone. Happy to be here. Yes. Today is just Cody and I, no guests, but we do have quite a lineup of guests coming up uh, here in the next few weeks, and I'll talk about those at the end. Uh, and uh, before we get into our topics of the day, I'd also like to welcome the studio audience again. Sorry, man. I know, I know. You guys can stop now. It's okay. I uh, actually uh, zoomed in on my browser a little too quick there, and the square disappeared to turn them off. Anyway, it's amazing how they always sound exactly the same every time they come in, don't they? They practice a long time for that. So, uh, topics today are next. Uh, what are we calling server uh, next server components and some routing goodies for view uh, so first off we have an article here from a mr daniel Rowe. if you're in the next community i'm sure you're aware of his name i think uh, he's sort of what you would say is the tallest hog in the trough at next these days uh, the big guy uh, big man on campus and so he carries a lot of weight and ironically enough, we are going to have him on here in Views on View in a couple of weeks to catch us up on all things next. So we can talk about this and other things. But uh, the blog post that we're discussing today is a guide to next server components. Um, and uh, it's uh, published, he put it out July 24th. So as of this writing, just pretty recently, or excuse me, this recording, pretty recently. So anyway, I'm going to pass this off to Cody to so he can elucidate on the details of next server components. Hey, yeah. So Daniel posted this article two days ago, and he clearly stated that this is going to be like a live document. He's going to be actively um, updating it as you know more questions come out as people are interested further in this. So we'll we'll post this in the show notes so you can follow along. Um, he also lists the roadmap as well as um, possible new features that are in like actually in review within PRs right now, which is super fun to watch. Um, so I'm sure a lot of you have heard about server components through React. Um, they've been getting a lot of interest, a lot of criticism, a lot of discussion around this big change recently. I think it was in, um, I think it came out with Next 13. Um, but little do they know, Nuxt has actually had server components even before React. Um, so Nuxt is ahead of the game there. And some of the key points that Daniel mentions in this article, and I'll, I'll just mention the key benefits. Um, one, server components allow you to extract logic out of your client-side bundle. And so Daniel talks about how you can move some of your server components, sorry, some of your, your client-side components into the server 
And th this is really good for things that don't need to be hydrated or tracked by Vue. Um, things that don't need to be rerun on the client. And, and I think a lot of you may notice um, a similarity. Astro is very um, similar to this. And I'm, I'm sure Steve would has more things to talk about Astro. Um, and so one thing that Daniel mentions here is that Astro follows something called the island architecture. And so you have this static site with individual dynamic islands within the site. And these dynamic islands um, handle a bit more of your dynamic, um, you know, like it, uh, content that needs to change constantly. Uh, whereas Nux kind of took the opposite approach um, where the Nuxt app itself is dynamic and it embeds static islands within the application. And, um, and honestly, I don't have a huge understanding about that, but that, that is fascinating. And I would love to hear Steve's voice on that as well as Daniel's in the future of, you know, what are the pros and cons of those two approaches and, and um, yeah, what, are, what, what, what we're going to be seeing moving forward. Well, I can I can give you a little bit of input. We've had Fred Shot on here before. Uh, he's the main guy at Astro, and the idea with Astro is it was initially out of the box for static sites. So you're going to generate your static site, but the idea is that all of your uh, content is um, basically server rendered or it's it's generated, and then uh, you query with just some JavaScript queries in your in your components, or you can have you know separate files that are query your backend. I used it with a a remote uh, content, a headless CMS uh, Prismic. But then on the front side, the idea is that you're you're limiting the amount of JavaScript that you're downloading to the browser. Right. But the idea is that for those things that you do need some interaction for, some interactivity for. Uh, on the front end, you can just plug in one of your uh, components of Svelte, React, Vue, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And that only the JavaScript is only used in there. And then, you know, it's surrounded by all the stuff that's coming from the back end. Now, they do have some uh, server-side rendering capabilities now. Uh, those are fairly recent. I don't remember because it was beta for a while. And now it's marked as, it's not marked as beta in their documentation anymore. So they do have that capability as well. But that's what the idea of the islands is, is basically that everything is coming from the back end. And then if you do need some JavaScript, you can drop in your component of choice from your framework of choice uh, just where you need it. So, you know, as compared to as compared to something like a straight view component that takes over the entire page. Yeah, no, it, it's fascinating. And the more I read about this, the more I actually want to implemented in my own personal projects. I I think a lot of my projects just have, you know, unknowingly a lot of JavaScript, um, but I tend to write very static sites that need very little amounts of state management. Um, and it's actually kind of neat on this blog post, if you, he has a little button on the bottom that says show server component outlines. And he actually outlines every aspect of the application that was rendered by the server um, and then, you know, also shows uh, non-server rendered aspects of the app. Um, and so uh, one aspect, one non-server aspect is like uh, mentions. And I'm, I'm actually curious, I'd probably look at his source code with the mentions is, but I imagine that's some sort of like, uh, 
I don't know, is that like a rest end? Is that a rest end point? Um, and I, I guess that's what I'm not quite wrapping my head around is how much of this is um, like trying to think of like a traditional, just like rest back end. Is it just hitting that back end once and then you're good? Or is that, am I just totally missing the, the, the point there? Hmm. Reading through this, I'm not sure myself. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, it seems like there's, you know, in reading through this blog post and thinking of, you know, the stuff I like to use, like inertia and looking at server-side render from Astro, um, it all seems to be just slightly different flavors of achieving the same goal. Yeah. I mean, just like thinking through it, like I, I see this one, his footer component, for example, and he has like this, uh, this list, this array of of links and this like for loop syntax. And so my understanding is, you know, you're, you're basically the server or node, or I think in Nux case, it's Nitro, is um, doing all of that computation and then just sending a static HTML, I guess, component. And there's probably some magic that's combining all of that HTML. And then by it being server-based, there is no additional client-side um, hydration taking place. So, so my guess is maybe the client side just kind of forgets about it after it's been rendered and doesn't have to um, continue monitoring it and hydrating it on other areas of data change. So for example, if this mentions does update, if there's some, I don't know, webhook or some sort of like dynamic aspect to it, um, it's not going to then re-render other areas of the application. Um, but again, this is why I would love to talk to Daniel and, and kind of just like dig deeper um, into, into these concepts. And I, I'm definitely going to pull this into a personal project and kind of explore further because I do see a lot of benefit. If you can just kind of server render it into just pure HTML and remove all of that client-side JavaScript, um, there is, there's a lot of benefit there. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, the one thing worth mentioning here, I one thing we mentioned is, is the naming convention and how it differentiates between a server and a front side component. Yep. Um, so that it's all you have to do is instead of a something dot view, you do, you know, my component dot server dot view. And apparently Nitro reads that prefix and uh, runs it server side versus, you know, mounting it on, you know, on the front side in the browser. Right, right, exactly. Super simple. Um, and and then you could also do the, the other side of doing a component name dot um, client dot view. And then that's just a, a client side component, um, which in my, my perspective, um, you know, comparing to the React world where they use use client or I guess the other one is use, maybe use app. I, I actually don't remember. Um, up in like a little comment at the top of the, the application, I, I I much prefer the um, the file naming syntax here in Nux. I think that was a great decision um, and looks very clean. And it's very, you don't have to actually look into the application, the component itself to recognize if it's server or client. Um, one other benefit, another benefit that Daniel mentions here is that server components ensure that privileged code runs securely. And so he mentions that if your logic requires access to a database or you need some private keys, um, the server component, it can be a, a great solution here as well. Um, 
but he also mentions okay oh, I found sorry. This on the web for but he also mentions using you could use nitro here and so again that's kind of where i've i've gotten disconnected is i assume nitro was doing some of the server aspect i i assume nitro was the nux server um, but again I, from my understanding in these server rendered components, you can do direct component to database interactions, which is fascinating. Instead of having that weird little, um, you know, HTTP request or your fetch request in your front end right. to do it into your back end, et cetera, et cetera, you can have all of those UI elements interacting directly with your, your database, which mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. Um, oh, and yeah. I'm just curious, like, where are the limitations here? Um, you know, is there is there limitations in the data? Like, what happens when the data updates? Like, why don't we all just do this? Or is or is that the is that where we're moving? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a topic we've beat to death before. Whether it's here, or JavaScript, Jabber, mm -hmm. um, but uh, um. But yeah, you don't want to, it used to be, you know, everything was a monolith. You know, I think back to initial WordPress, Drupal, Joomla, take your pick, right? Mm -hmm. Everything was a monolith. So you had your, uh, um, uh, what am I thinking here? You know, everything was was one big thing. You had to have the whole stack. Then you started getting the the mean stack, you know, Mong, Mongo Express, Angular Node. Yep. And then the MERN stack, and pretty soon you had all these different pieces that you could glue together. And you had your front end and your back end. <clears throat> well, in the middle of that, then you had, you know, Angular came in, and then React and Vue, and, and the different variations where you didn't need a back end. You could just query everything from your front end and download your JavaScript and query from there. And now you see that, nah. Um, uh, well, the pendulum swinging back to doing everything on the server side because, you know, you're, I think to me, the big reason is um, resource. You know, you're going to have a heck of a lot more resources running queries and, and API calls and stuff from a server. It's going to be a heck of a lot more powerful than what you can run in a browser, mm -hmm. right? Or even just, you know, making the API calls. So if you can use your server resources more efficiently like that, then uh, uh, you're going to be that much quicker and leaner. Yeah. So, you know, that's the, it's the, you know, same process we've been seeing over the past few years. Like everything was, oh, yeah, we can do all, all it on JavaScript in the front end, don't need a back end. And I was like, well, maybe not so much. <laughs> Let's move it all to the back end, <laughs> you know, where it's more efficient and only do what we need to on the front end and only download as much JavaScript as we need on the front end. So, yeah, um, that's. That's my little rant. Uh, that's how I see it moving, at least. Yeah, and it, that is curious. You know, I, I do love the idea of, you know, having the client manage it. But but at the same time, it it, it becomes a lot more accessible when you when you place it on the back end, at least in my, my, my mind, right? Like you have these mega servers out there, whatever, you know, doing all the work, sending over just the bare minimum so that people on their mobile devices all over the world can can consume and enjoy this content. Um, and I would love to like, that could be an interesting topic is just like, um, 
kind of studying the history behind this this shift over the last 10 or 20 years, however long it's been. Um, is it, were we just hitting a moment in time where like resources, we just thought with these new powerful phones, you know, we could do whatever we want on the client side. Um, I'm curious why we're, we're, why we're shifting back and forth so often, or is that just the curse of the JavaScript world? Um, well, uh, oh. I, I don't, I don't see it as necessarily going back and forth. Like I said, it was, it went, you know, if you think about the initial PHP, uh, maybe Java, you know, early 2000s, where it was, you know, monolith, everything's on the back end, you've got your PHP templates or whatever you're using on the front end, then you swing over to all JavaScript, right? Mm-hmm. And then he's, we've, and then we're swinging back, but not quite so far as it was to start out with, where it's not all a monolith. You can still piece things together and you can do it in such a way that you're only using as much JavaScript as needed. So yeah. that's, yeah. you know, that's where I see it. And so, so yeah, in reading through this post and talking about Nuxt server components, it's basically, you know, Nuxt doing the same thing you know, as, as, uh, other, you know, setups do as much, here's, let's do it all in the server and then only do as much as we need in JavaScript on the front end. And here's yeah. some good use cases for it. Now, for what it's worth, he does mention that this is different from, uh, react server components. Um, so he says, this is an entirely different approach to rendering server components, which is often linked to streaming responses from server to client. So, uh, not being a React guy, I, 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 at the same time, I can see what he's talking about. So, yeah, I'm curious. So, I mean, when 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 I hear streaming, I think uh, you know, like WebSockets or something. Like they create this open connection between the server and the client. And I, I'm right. I am curious, um, you know, if he could expand on this entirely different approach, or or is that what he means with this uh, static island dynamic Nuxt app approach? Um, but yeah, very excited. I'm very happy he wrote this article. Um, it really just kind of laid down the map on, on some of this stuff very precisely. I knew it was around, but it it really wasn't well documented. And so this is going to be a great starting point to, to moving forward. Um, one thing I do really want to mention though, that I think is fascinating is the first point on his roadmap is he mentions remote sources. It will be possible soon to load server components from other websites, enabling you to create microservices that render components, which you can use in different websites. Um, and, and so, like, yeah, I see, I see your confusion on your face. I, I'm curious <laughs> what this means. Does this mean I can like hook into someone else's uh, Nuxt component? Can I just say like? Give me your Stripe payment system and just build all, throw in my API keys and we're good to go. Um, can I just, what, what, what does this mean? Is this like a HTTP request, but to a, to a UI component? Um, I, I, I have no idea. Um, and I was going to look at the PR, but it, it's honestly just one page difference and, or one, one file is changing. And, um, you know, I'll have to read it a bit further, but but I'm I'm fascinated. To, it looks like there's a source, or the URL can be a source or a potential like actual like URL. 
Um, so that should be cool. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's just like mind bending to think about that. If I can actually hook into external, uh, component sources and, and, and that's kind of like what I think is really neat about just this whole component architecture client side or server side is how easy it is to utilize a lot of this logic between projects, you know, hooking into something like Beautify, whatever, I can just easily put in what looks like HTML and I have an amazing application very quickly. Um, so, but yeah, that's, that's about all I have for this, um, this article, but do you, is there anything else you'd like to, to, to mention, Steve? Uh, no, not really. I mean, we, looks like uh, there's PRs for the remote sources. There's yep. APR looking at. Um, sounds interesting. It's like you can make a service available on your site that somebody else can access or something like that, which would be hmm, interesting. I'm, I have to ask Daniel. I don't understand how that fits in with Nux specifically as compared to maybe just making a generic you know, yeah. API endpoint. Maybe there's some custom rendering or something you can do in your microservice. Right. I mean, like if you looking at this PR, there's there's just like this source prop into your next island. And if you look at this actual source, basically if a source is provided, it generates a new URL. Um, otherwise it just uses like your local um, prop or local component. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know what what more you can do there. But am I hooking into somebody else's database? What what sort of limitations? What sort of things are there? Because there, there's not much code change taking place here. Um, so I'm I'm thinking maybe I missed something, but I but I could be wrong. It might be that simple. Yeah, yeah, it is for sure. All right. Yeah. Well, we will have to wait and uh, talk to Daniel here in a couple of weeks, and I'm sure he can give us all of the gory details. Yeah, looking forward to it. I'm gonna, I'll definitely have some questions lined up um, as well as some more personal experience digging into this now that we have a, a wonderful post by him. So thank you, Daniel. Um, but I, yeah, one, one more thing I wanted to mention this post or this uh, podcast is um, I'm sure many of you are subscribed to the Learn View YouTube channel. And he posted recently within the last week um, a YouTube video called They Just Fixed View Router. And highly recommend giving it a watch. It's only two minutes long. But he digs into what's called Unplugin View Router. It's a new, um, it's a new package uh, created by um, Eduardo, or he also goes by Ospa, P-O-S-B-A, sorry if I pronounced that wrong, Eduardo. Um, but he, he is the lead dev of, I believe he's the lead dev of the original view router package. And now he's kind of created this new unplugin view router package, which is, which is the, the slogan is next gen file-based typed routing for view router. And it's, it's very simple. You just basically cut out your original view router um, import within your, your router file. And you import the exact same thing, but you just extend it with the slash auto. And this now makes it so you don't have to pass your routes. Um, the plugin just auto writes it for you, very similar to Nuxt. Um, it basically gives your view apps uh, the Nuxt file-based routing, 
which um, is a huge plus for me. Um, yeah, no, that's that's uh, I know that's one of the features that I have seen used uh, or appreciated in Nuxt, where some people have uh, you know really just needed view but they use Nuxt because of stuff like that, where it had the file-based routing and you weren't having to manually configure, you know, your JSON files with your routes and associated components and so on. So, yeah. So, and that's, you know, Astro goes that way and uh, other, you know, tools use that. So to me, it's sort of a logical improvement. Oh yeah, no doubt. In fact, that was, you know, I originally started with Vue, but, the routing aspect was actually very confusing for me. I struggled to wrap my head around it. And so Nux really was kind of that crutch to help me pick up Vue because it was just one more like major aspect of the application that, that I just didn't have to think about. Hmm. Um, you know, and, and so, but I, I do want to mention like, while this does provide that like simplicity of page-based uh, routing or file-based routing, um, it still has like, fully customizable features like the traditional view router. And so it kind of can help abstract away some of that complexity if you don't want it, but it's still there if you do, mm-hmm. um, which is which is kind of beautiful, frankly. Mm-hmm. I, I love how the view team does that. It, it, a lot of magic, but also great documentation if you want to dig in. Um, but an, another benefit of this plugin is it um, typed, it's typed. And so when you use your use route composable, um, it now, you know, within your strings, you'll do a use route composable and you, you pass in a string for which, which um, route you may be managing or you want to get the params from. And um, it provides autocomplete. So you put in the, the string and all of a sudden you see all um, potential uh, routes, all potential pages that you want to be working with. Um, and then alongside that, you know, the, the route object that's returned from this composable is also typed. So say you want to do a route dot params and you're passing an ID, you know, that that dot ID is auto-completed. It, it shows you, you know, that TypeScript magic of, of um, what values are within this object. It's um, types everywhere. It's crazy. Oh, man, you got to love TypeScript. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't like writing the TypeScript that these guys do, that the team does, but I, I love uh, utilizing the benefits. So thank you. Um, but yeah, that's, and obviously there's one more router.push also provides autocomplete. Um, so I, I imagine this is probably going to get sucked into view. Um, in fact, I'm curious why it hasn't yet, why it's kind of been the separate uh, unplug-in uh, uh, repo, but it, it's probably similar to Pinya, where it just kind of took over Vuex, right? I, I imagine this will be the same. Cool. Yeah, that's uh, that's a cool little plugin. I wonder if uh, they end up importing that or integrating it into core router capabilities right. in V3. That right, would yeah. make sense. Do it as an op- some sort of configurable option or something like that. Right. Just some, yep, exactly, some config. Um, but yeah, looking forward to playing with that as well. Honestly, I'm more of a Nux guy. I've never really gone back to the view, to the view land outside of Nux, but I feel like I probably should. I don't know. With all the server, server stuff going on, I, I haven't figured out why, 
y to go back to just plain old view. Yeah, I've been, you know, I've, us being as uh, a PHP guy, um, I think I actually did start to learn Node one time, take a Udemy course from Maximilian Schwartzmiller on it, but never really got into using Node. And, and then once I discovered uh, Laravel uh, and being familiar with PHP, that's just really made it a lot. And the awesomeness of Laravel, it's amazing what that framework does for you. Um, that's just sort of been my back-end tool of choice, especially with Inertia. And being yeah. able to use it so seamlessly with Vue, it's, you know, for for a dynamic uh, database apps, right, where it's just sort of a management tool where you don't give a rip about SEO and server-side rendering and all that stuff. It's just data management. To me, yeah. for my skill set, that's a perfect choice. Um, you know, for someone who's more of a node background, uh, something like this, uh, you know, server-side components with Nuxt would be ideal, I think, you know, so... Yeah, my, my you know I totally get it. My my only issue with um, server side Nux um, is I don't really understand serverless architecture, and so I'm always afraid of you know shipping something through Vercel or Netlify, utilizing these server server side you know server routes and API routes within my like Nitro API, and I, and, and I'm afraid it's gonna like all of a sudden cost me a lot of money, right? With like a traditional backend, you kind of, it's easy to kind of, you know, separate the two and have a comfortable management of one over the other. <clears throat> but I do believe there is some magic, it seems, with like Nuxt's interaction with, with the server. And so even in times where I don't think I'm utilizing the server, it turns out I am. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, whoa, like I just ran out of my free plan or something, hitting an endpoint that's just built into Nuxt. Um, <clears throat> and so that, that is a, that is an issue I, I have. And I, I do still enjoy like the traditional, just like Python or PHP, you know, your separated backend. Um, but the user, the developer experience of just having it all in one project is mm -hmm. amazing. And so I do, I really enjoy just writing my full stack app in Nuxt. Um, but there is, you know, I, I would be afraid to ship it to a million people because I, I don't quite understand all the bits and pieces of it. Yeah, yeah, it's as it's fairly new, I'm sure it's going to take some getting used to. I have a feeling, though, once you were to get your head around it, uh, it would make sense and you'd be able to just sort of, you know, use that with what you already know of next. Yep. No, for sure. For sure. Well, cool. Should we should we move on to our picks? Let us move on to picks. All right. So picks are part of the show where we get to talk about other things other than tech or view or Nuxt, but we can if we want to. So uh, I usually have my specialties for the picks, but I'll let Cody go first today. Yeah, I would love to. Um, so mine is semi-tech related, not code related, but... I'm not sure. I'm curious if you ever heard of Arc. It's a it's a web browser. Yes, um, I have. It's sort of a developer friendly browser. Is that right? Kind. Of, I mean, I, actually, I wouldn't say 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 it's like super heavy in the developer experience, um, but it is like very keybind heavy, and it has this neat like zap feature where you can zap away, basically just permanently delete 
um, aspects of web pages, heavily um, configure them to your liking, and it, and it's and it saves that way. Um, but it just came out uh, yesterday to everyone, and so I've been using it for a couple of days. It used to be invite only, but yesterday was its official like V1 release, and I just really love it because it's very keybind focused and very. Um, I'm a big fan of like Zen mode programming, right? Just minimal um, toolbars, minimal little yeah. widgets and things poking out. And this has, right? Hey, let yeah, me go yeah, look the, at this page. Look at this site. Yeah, you right. It. You know, like, let me just cover an eighth of the screen with my URL bar. You know, <laughs> I'm like, like, I, I don't like that. And so, um, so that's just kind of built into Arc Browser. In fact, like the URL bar is a very small aspect of it. It's very, um, if you use Spotlight or something like Raycast where you'll like, you know, hit. So in, in Arc, you'll do a Command T like tab and that opens up your URL bar, but it also opens up um, all of your commands. So one like built-in command is just like capture and I can hit capture or capture full page. And so there's like this really unique like screenshot feature built in. Um, there's also uh, like a notes feature. So I can just create a note right there in the in the web browser. And then if I really want to, they'll host it and create a shareable link for me for that note as well. Um, which is which is amazing. Um, obviously, you know, it is V1, so it is missing some features. Doesn't work on Windows is one. Um, their mobile browser is pretty kind of weak, in my opinion. <laughs> um, and there are issues like the notes, for example, it's not exportable. Like I would love to be able to write a note in my browser, export it to Markdown, send it up on my blog, for example. Mm. Um, right now, that's not that's not possible. Even though they do support Markdown notes, the actual export feature is not supported. But you know, they do have a person on Twitter, and they take private messages, so I just send them all my feature requests, and they say they write it down. So we'll we'll see we'll see where it is in the next couple months, but. So far, I'm loving it. Honestly, it's very privacy focused, and so I'm I'm about ready to uninstall Chrome and just go full time Arc. All right, is that your is that your pick? That's my pick. That's my pick. Arc Browser V1 is out. Um, highly recommend trying it. Okay, so with that, we will move on to my picks. Uh, let's see. One thing I just saw that was interesting. Uh, I guess just sort of historical note for somebody who was around since my time, I just saw a blog post that Sinead O'Connor had died. Um, if you were live and listening to music back in the late 80s, you knew of Sinead O'Connor. Uh, she was Irish, I think, and she always had a shaved head. Uh, she had a song called Nothing Compares to You that was just, I think it ruled the world for I don't know how long. Nice. Uh, only 56, so she's only a year older than me. And she died, and they're not saying why, which is it's always a bummer to see something like that. Uh, on the lighter side of things, it is time for the uh, dad jokes of the week while I get my uh, crowd together here ready. So, uh, you know, one of the common lines about uh, Star Wars is the humorless note that stormtroopers shoot a lot, but they never really hit much. So... Uh, Along those lines, what is the favorite store for stormtroopers to shop at? It's not Target, it's the one next to Target. 
right? <laughs> so uh, the other night, uh, my neighbor knocked on my door at 2 a.m., really, just to tell me that he couldn't sleep. I said, well, it's your lucky day. We got a party going on here, so come on in. Right. And then uh, I had uh, an appointment, you know, next week with a psychic. You know, I was trying to get some help from a psychic. But unfortunately, she called me to tell me that I wouldn't be able to make it. Oh, nice. All right. <laughs> so that's better than my old psychic that I had. Um, you know, I went and knocked on her door and she said, who is it? And so I left. Because it was obviously not a psychic if she didn't know who it was. Right. Right. So anyway, that's my new and improved psychic. Actually, can see things. <laughs> just kidding. I'm not into psychics. Just a joke. Just to clarify. Okay. So with that, we will wrap up this episode of Views on View. Um, I'd like to point out who we got coming up in the next few weeks. In a couple of weeks, we have Daniel Rowe of Next Fame. We also have John Leader was the main guy with Beautify. So we'll talk about Beautify 3 and where things stand. Um, and then a cup, uh, I'm forgetting, is Jacob Andrzejewski. Uh, we've talked to him before on the podcast, coming live from Poland, right, Cody, if I remember correctly? I believe so. Right? Yeah. Uh, Marcus Oberlener. I think most people know that name in the views world. I know I've seen him around. Yeah. And then next week, Alexander Gekov, friend of uh, Cody's. Thank you, Cody. Yeah. So those are people you can look for other than just me and Cody in the next few weeks. Uh, that could be good or bad, I guess. So uh, <laughs> with that, we'll wrap it up. Thanks for coming on, Cody. Look, it's nice to have you here on the show with me. Yeah, anytime. Happy to be here. Loving and, all the new stuff coming out. So Right on. And we'll... Wrap up this episode, so we'll talk at you next time on Views on View.